Hey, y'all. Welcome to episode 24 of the Clear Eyes Full Shelves podcast. I'm Laura, and I am here remotely with Sarah and our super special guest that we're super excited about. I need to do a proper introduction of this special guest. Because okay, she is a supernatural Uber fan. Yeah. Also, Walking Dead Uber fan, and zombie survival expert. Yes. And super author of. Uh, see here, I can't remember all the books that you've read. This is not a test. Um, cracked up to be. Some girls are, and the upcoming All the Rage. Did we forget fall for anything? Sorry, yes, and fall. <laughs> that would be Courtney Summers. Hi. Hi, Courtney. Yay. Like international flavor to our podcast. Because yes. she's, she's live in, in Canada. Yes, I'm all the way over here in <laughs> Canada. <laughs> I hope we can understand each other. I know. I hope we can get get across the, the language and cultural barriers. Yeah, well, and the and the... The accent is really going to be an issue, I think. I have to say sorry instead. Uh-huh. Can you guys say sorry or something with an A? That's what I've, That's the difference between Americans and Canadians, how you guys say sorry. and We say sorry. You say sorry, apparently. Yeah. And we say about, and you guys say it, like, differently, I think. If I'm remembering my Anne of Green Gables correctly. <laughs> I I have a friend from Nova Scotia, and she has the sweetest accent ever. I just love it. It's like yeah, I love uh, maritime accents. They're really just perfect because it's like Canadian with a twinge of like another time. It's just it perfect. is. I love there's it. There's something classic about it. Yes, it really does. Like there's a little bit of formality to it, and it's just fabulous. So. <laughs> Oh, all right. So before we before we um were before we were talking um recording, I was very upset about a BuzzFeed list. So I'm still kind of coming down from that that stress. Walk it off. Walk it off. So I'm feeling a little tense and distracted over this. (laughs) (laughs) It's just really. (laughs) You shouldn't let BuzzFeed get to you this way, Sarah. Well, you know what it is? I'm just really mad that, like, like one of the, like, most, like, prominent political journalists um, shared that on Twitter. You should know better. That's just crap. Anyway. She's really hurt. If we have any children, I wonder if this prominent political journalist will ever have, like, a teenage girl. I think he has a couple, actually, but I think they're boys. Oh. Which is sort of too bad because he would really deserve to have girls after that. Uh huh. Yes, I think so too. I agree. <sighs> anyway, so the fiery rage. We um we had this little um deal with Courtney that goes back a ways back. I don't remember when we made this deal, Courtney. Do you? I think it's been a while. I think it was last year. I think it was last year. <laughs> that when you finished All the Rage, which is the book that's sort of taken over your life for quite some time. Yes, to put it mildly. <laughs> um, as sometimes they do, um, that you would get to be on the podcast. <laughs> it was my carrot, and then the carrot kept mm-hmm. moving. Exactly. <laughs> um, and so you have since finished All the Rage, which is going to be at... It's next May? April. April. April, hey, April 14th, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I think there's some good books coming out on that day, actually. Is that when Amy Spaulding's book is coming out, too? Probably. Yeah, I think we either share a release month or a, re- a release day yeah, around the same day. Yeah, there's good books coming out that month. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Trying to make me nervous? No. <laughs> no. super thrilling. Is that going to be her first book with Poppy? Yes. Oh, cool. Um, I love her. She's so great. She is. She's been on our mm-hmm. podcast a couple times. See, she's not shy about it. She's just like, I want to talk about something. What yeah, I was listening think? to that when, she, when you guys, were, when she's like not afraid of the stage at all, and I'm sitting here getting ready for this podcast, and I'm like, oh my god, okay, breathe, breathe, breathe. Like, Can you imagine being like that? Like, just being like, here, give me, give me the mic. 
No. I, I just, I, no. as someone who's had to do a lot of public speaking, like, I've never acquired that. It's always like, all right, deep breath, get in the zone, pretend the people aren't here, that whole thing. Because it's just, yes. yeah. Or, um, you know, run away from them all together. Yeah. And then, um, well, and sometimes people are mean. I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, people they say mean things about Julie Taylor. Yeah. Oh. They're always being people, and it's just really overwhelming at times. Um, But then I was um, reminded that we had made that little deal when um, a few weeks ago you had had a lovely sort of stream of consciousness thought um, about the way people respond to um, characters with emotional struggles. Um, right. Whether it's depression or PTSD or anxiety or what, you know, some sort of trauma. And that's, and you explore trauma a lot in your work. Um, mm-hmm. And I I thought you just had some really wonderful observations. And so that was, I'm like, you know, that would be a really good thing to talk about on the podcast. So we're going to talk about that. And then we're also going to talk about some other very important issues. <laughs> really <laughs> important. important issues. Yeah, very important issues as well. Um but I wanted to first talk about about that particular subject because I thought you really hit the nail on the head um, mm-hmm. when you had said, and I'm going to quote you, and I know that's super awkward, Courtney, so I apologize in advance. Um, I'll survive. <laughs> you said, you know, there's this often this um, response that's almost, you have a reason to be sad or traumatized, but I'd like it to be expressed in a more palatable and neat way. Right. And, and I thought that was just so, because I think that is a response that happens a lot. And I don't think there's there's like, a wrong response to um, reading per se or to any kind of, you know, portrayal. But do you think there's something like there's a bigger thing happening in our society where we have a very strong preference for those ugly, sticky parts of life to be um, shown and resolved in a way that is tidy and acceptable? And I think that especially applies in books because I think people are you know when you go to English class and you're taught that a book has like a certain structure and you're kind of taught that the book should be kind of closed at the end and everything should be tied up yeah that actually is a really good observation Laura yeah Um, I think people get really upset when they don't have the closure that they need even if the situation that is being written about is not necessarily one that is going to get that kind of closure realistically Mm-hmm. They don't want it unless it's all tied up with a neat little bow. I just can't do that. Yeah, and I think it's, and I don't think it's realistic or even fair. And I, I, for me, I always feel like when I, when there is that type of resolution, I feel like it's not necessarily reflective of most people's truth who've experienced that in their lives. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Um, I, I, I feel like more cheated by those kind of happy endings than I do by maybe not getting what I want all the time yeah, in a book. And I, and I guess it also sort of feeds into how people think of the idea of ending and resolution. And, um, that's, I, you know, and whether or not you need everything to be complete or not, or to be finished or in, you know, or whether or not you're ha- satisfied with a, that is the end of this story and this character will move on. And I wonder what they're, sometimes I wonder what they're doing. Do you know what I'm saying? Or am I being yeah. completely unclear? Yeah. Yeah, no, I get it. I, yeah. I totally think that a lot of times people, especially with books, um, they want the author to end the story for them. Yes. And then, so when there are things that, when they're not given complete closure, like I feel like a lot of times people are just like, Oh, are you writing a sequel to this book? Cause I really want to know what happens because you didn't make it clear at the end of your last book. You know what I mean? Right. And like, I mean, I personally enjoy kind of like imagining where they would go based on the arc that the author has provided, but some people don't like that. So what? One of my, one that I always think is interesting that I know gets a lot of requests about sequels is, um, and I know, Courtney, that, because I've seen you've recommended this book before, is um, Lisa Schroeder's The Day Before, which I can relate to any subject, by the way. That is one of my, like, (laughs) but I love that book. It's one of my very favorite books. Can you relate it to Joshua Jackson? I'm not sure. (laughs) 
Um, That'd be a way to do that. That would be amazing if I could. Um, (laughs) But, uh, though I am completely prepared to talk about um, the facial hair exemption I proclaimed on Joshua Jackson's new beard. (laughs) I am, anyone wants to hear my thoughts on that. Um, I haven't seen his new beard. Oh, yeah, you should Google it. Um, (laughs) I'm going to do that right now. Let us know what you think. Um, Anyway, these are the important trends I follow. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But in that, like, it's so, I love, I, I absolutely love that, um, that book. And it does not, and I know Lisa gets a lot of um, people asking her, like, what happened to Amber and Cade? What happened to Amber and Cade? But what I love what she's done with that book is both of those characters are going through really tough events in their lives. And I don't want to say right. they are because I think that's sort of slowly revealed over the course of the book. And read the book, everyone. Yeah, it's read such that a good book. book. It's such a good book. And it's a fast mm-hmm. read. And it's one that's like really will suck you in, even though it's really quiet. Um, and uh, that that book, it's really a lot of senses. The ending is a beginning. Yeah, I like that. I like when a book mm-hmm. is reaching towards its start. And, that, like, and I, I love that that's the story is actually getting towards a beginning. And I think that can mm-hmm. be a really, um, when it's executed well, like it is in that book, it can it it feels like a resolution because you know that they can move forward on in some way. And it's probably not going to be easy and it's going to be tough and all that right. sort of thing. So, Yeah. But sometimes working towards the beginning of something is one of the hardest things. Yeah, yeah. I think it is. So too. I, I like books that most, explore that. Yeah, I think that can be one of the most interesting stories to tell is mm-hmm. is working towards that beginning. Yeah, I agree. I like that. I like that um sense of possibility in it. And I can see why it kind of lends itself to the question of will you write a sequel? Will you write a sequel? Yeah. But it's <laughs> but it's I I like just thinking of people being in a position where they can start, especially if they're going through something traumatic or extremely hard emotionally, just getting to a point where they can move forward. Which I think also brings us to an interesting point because um, this is not a test, is getting a sequel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I am super excited about, by the way. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I, it, it's it's the zombies, very, man. It's got this innocent title too which is making me very nervous <laughs> good yeah you've been saying some really evil things to people know. on tumblr and twitter who have been asking about it Please. you're usually so nice on tumblr people ask you questions and you're so you're like so you give these lengthy with, responses yeah. and then like people ask you about Please. your sequel to this is not a test and you're all like <laughs> i know you can practically hear like your hands rubbing together like well let me tell you you know <laughs> it's gonna be bad <laughs> i mean hopefully well written but not good for anyone that's in the sequel but that's, but it's, it's so what so what was happening like what because that book has definitely doesn't have I would, what I would call resolution in terms of the storyline. Um, right. Yeah, I mean, but I got, I liked the ending. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> and well, I, I, like, I like having that response. <laughs> I, I like know. knowing that you had it. <laughs> I, I think there's something gratifying in having, like, a sort of, like, intense emotional response to the end of a story. <laughs> um, but I'm also kind of a weirdo. Um <laughs> So what what kind of brought you to this is a little tangential but what sort of brought you to the the thinking that hey there's more story here? Well, I really like zombies. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> <laughs> but after I finished All the Rage, it's like oh, I want to do something fun. And to me, just horrible things with zombies sounds like a lot of fun zombies to me. Zombies are terrifying. <laughs> they are. They are really scary. I mean, just like one bite and you're done. Yeah, no, and but I, but you and I also share a very strong um, point of view regarding the sort of um, zombies who can run and are sentient versus zombies who shamble and don't really have a lot of um, emotional. Right. Well, it took me a long time. I I do like zombies that run now. That took a long time for me to be okay with. But if they ever have feelings, I just I don't want to hear about it. No, I have. 
have a lot of issues with zombies with feelings. They are not, they're not zombies. They're not zombies. They're something They're else. vampires. If they're dead and they have feelings, they're vampires. And also, if they have any kind of fashion sense, I mean... Oh, my no. goodness. A zombie, they should be wearing tattered clothing. Yes. They should smell. <laughs> they should be rotting and ugly and unaware. They should and... be making weird grunting sounds. They should be gross. Yes. They should, they, yes. Zombies should be gross, because that's part of what makes them so scary. Because not only are they completely non-sentient, they're like... And deadly. They're just straight right. up gross. And if you can reason with a zombie, like, what's... That's... That's not scary. Like, if it's, can we talk about our feelings and why you want to eat me and maybe we can come to some kind of peaceful resolution? That's not fun. No, that's not scary. <laughs> exactly. It's like when uh, Michael Myers, I don't know if you guys ever watched Halloween. With uh, I've seen the first one, yeah. Yeah, they just got, like, steadily worse as they went on, which is not surprising. But <laughs> Rob, Rob Zombie redid the whole series, and he decided to give Michael this tragic backstory for why he was how he was. And I got so mad what? because it was, yeah, it was so much more scary when the guy just wanted to, like, blindly kill whatever was in his way. And you well, couldn't talk to him about it. And I don't want to have sympathy for a zombie. No, I don't want to have sympathy for anything terrible like that. No. That's hor- That's really upsetting, and I haven't even watched those movies. <laughs> Good. Now, now we're all upset. Julie Taylor's zombies. It's all bad. It's just really all distressing. <laughs> so, so anyway, <laughs> we're so bad. We're so it's so hard to stay on topic. It seems like because we just have so many important things to discuss. You'll be able to follow us at home. I think so. Um, and if not, oh well. <laughs> Just enjoy the ride. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, so where were we? We were discussing. Um, oh, um, what what made home. you think there was more story for your sequel? It really was just that I wanted to write about more zombies, and I was lucky that um, <laughs> <laughs> it was. This is I not. I was really a- hoping for like I was thinking like I get some very like. Courtney-esque response that was, like, <laughs> that emotional, like, um, I don't know, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, this is not a test. It's, it's lucky because it is very open. Mm-hmm. And um, when I kind of entertain the possibility of continuing it because uh, there's, like, two or three characters that have survived at the end of it, mm-hmm. maybe. And uh, <laughs> it's just that... Uh, and I also like to, okay, so this goes back to what we were talking about before with uh, trauma responses and people getting impatient with characters who just don't rise above their trauma during the zombie apocalypse or whatever, because, <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, that always, because that's the one I hear about the most right. with Sloan, and this is not a test. It's like, okay, she's been in an extremely abusive household for all of her life. Mm-hmm. She has depression and post-traumatic stress disorder. She's decided to kill herself on the first page, right. but now that the zombies are here, she should totally have everything together. Really? Like, okay. No. Well, and that's why I think, like, like Sloan is one of the more interesting characters I've read, because she's, Mm -hmm. like, she's such a mess. She is. I get why she's a mess, and, like, she can't just leave that behind and, like, fight for survival, because that's, like, completely contrary to, like, who she has been for a long, like, she she does not want to survive. Like, she's, she's sort of decided to not survive she gave up right yeah and that's like her having to go through that whole changing her it's not a profound change it's a there's it's very complicated what she goes through with the backdrop of these like really 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 creepy um zombies yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah so well she left it open for me because the the sequel is going to be told from Reese's perspective, and I'm curious, I'll be curious about his what makes him tick. Yeah, me yeah. too. And he's I think he's got it more together than most people. I mean, as together as anyone could have it in a situation like that. So I want to explore Sloane's trauma through his eyes because he might be patient in a school when nobody's coming into the but will that building. continue when right when they right. Have- when, it's, there's a big difference between the zombies scratching on the doors and the zombies chasing you. Right, and there's a lot of zombies chasing people in the sequel so far. Yeah. 
<laughs> um, I just got distracted looking up Joshua Jackson's beard, and <laughs> I got right but instead of finding a picture of that, I found Joshua Jackson's reflection on the Mighty Ducks trilogy article. <laughs> Sorry, and it turns out that Peter Berg, who is our Friday Night Lights person, wanted to play Gordon Bombay really badly, uh-huh. which I never knew. We could have had him instead of Emilio Estevez. Wow. That, the Mighty Ducks is perfect, though. What are you saying? You know, I feel like Peter Berg is, like, in a lot of ways, like, the sort of thread that, like, connects so many things in all these... In, like, all the important bits of popular media. It's really weird. And he's a weird dude, too. Because he is the brilliant mind behind Battleship. I don't know if you knew mm-hmm. that, Courtney. That's the only podcast I won't let myself listen to because I haven't seen it yet. I'm oh, like, I'm you should watch it. I have to because I want to hear that podcast. Did and I want to see Rihanna in it. Oh, my goodness. She is so amazing. I love her. She, she tried so hard. She, she really did. I don't think anyone has ever tried so hard in a movie. <laughs> ever. Like, her effort is like, <laughs> she just tries so hard. Well, that is really good because she's in a movie called Battleship. And it's, you know, she's giving it her all. She is. She is giving Battle. it her all. I mean, I don't think that, I think she should probably stick with the singing. Because um, that seems to be more <laughs> where her, what her wheelhouse is. But, you know, she's... You do. Rihanna is flawless in every endeavor. But she's, like, kind of a badass in that movie. I mean, she's a gunner. She's, like, fighting aliens. Like, that movie does not get the the credit. People all are like, Pacific Rim, Pacific Rim. And I think that is crap. I know. Absolutely. Pacific Rim was fine. Like, but, like, if you want all the stuff that Pacific Rim gets accolades for, Battleship did better. Pacific Rim did not meet my expectations at all. No, it did not meet my expectations either. Especially with that horrible facial hair they gave Idris Elba. That still makes me really upset. You know what's really awesome? We went from zombies to trauma responses to Josh Jackson's beard to (laughs) Battleship. (laughs) Like, in, like, three minutes. That was amazing. So this is what it's like to hang out in a room with Laura and I. <laughs> I can dig it. <laughs> As Lindsay, who's this lovely person in our in our book club, <laughs> called it the on Sunday. I don't know if you heard this, Laura. The the Sarah and Laura show. <laughs> oh. She meant it as a compliment because she thinks it's really funny. Oh, I didn't hear that part. Oh, it was it was really funny. She's like, I oh, must have been like, I don't know, saying hi to some of yeah. the other guests or something. Talking I, about battleship with someone. She's like, I love the Sarah and Laura show. <laughs> <laughs> I always learn something new. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I'm looking at Josh Jackson's beard right now, and I don't know how I feel about it. I'm conflicted, but I think I like it. Because he just, doesn't have the strongest jawline, so I think it kind of like. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think he can pull it off as long as it doesn't get any bigger. Oh God! If it got that big, always like, cross that line with beards, though. It's gonna get bigger. I just know, watch it. Like, oh, it's so nice not shaving, and yeah, Ugh. it's it could get bad because I don't. If he looks like he's in that, what is that? What's that band that all the hipsters listen to where they have beards the beardy band um is it uh i don't know is it bonnie bay yeah those guys yeah 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 if if they um if he ends up looking like a member of that band i will have to like write some kind of sternly worded letter or something jensen ackles from supernatural he always grows a beard between seasons and it's like disgusting no, he shouldn't have a beard. He, he have shouldn't. Face for it at all. No, he's got like this no. wonderful face, and he's he just got a wants really to really angular face. Yeah, I don't know why he's yeah. trying to hide it. And then in season nine, he just kind of introduced more stubble to his face all throughout the season. I got really angry. It's like that now, who do I look at? It is. I'm very. That doesn't change for season ten. Then everything's on the line for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even joking. That's the sad part. Those kinds of things can be a deal breaker. I mean, that they would really be really, can. really upsetting. I mean, I understand. <laughs> it happens. Yeah. 
Did you ever watch Dunks and Apples on Days of Our Lives? That's what yeah. I knew him from before um, he showed up on Supernatural. <laughs> I was obsessed with Days of Our Lives, and I totally forgot that I, like, religiously watched Eric and Nicole and their whole love thingy. And then I was like, oh, my God, that's the same person. And then I was really happy. It's like, oh, my God, it's Samantha's twin from Days of Our Lives. <laughs> I, my Days of Our Lives um, exposure is fairly limited because I watched it when I was in, like, junior high age. Because Did you? It, so that was a long time ago. That was, like, early 90s. Did you see when Marlena got possessed by the devil? This is oh my god, Amazon. that was the best fucking storyline ever. <laughs> what was that? It, it was amazing. It was so. It, must it have was been like when art. I was in high school, like mid nineties. I feel like it must have been oh, mid I'm to late nineties. I think I missed that because you I, really did miss that because it was. Yeah, it was fantastic. really funny. Oh my goodness, she has the most amazing Wikipedia. Yeah, it was nineteen ninety five. I did not see any days of our lives then. <laughs> Um, because she has a great Wikipedia entry, if you look at Marlena's, um, under character <laughs> development. The first thing, I'm not kidding, this is amazing. The first entry is possession. <laughs> well, it was an uncomfortable <laughs> period in her life, and Don was a priest. Yes, and she was, Marlena was the first soap ca- character in history, this is actually kind of hard to believe, to be possessed by the devil. Days of our lives, I feel like the characters are pretty religious. This storyline caused huge controversy yeah. and garnered a lot of attention for the soap. That's, it was amazing. Yeah, I did. and then the next one was the next the next entry is the Sta- Salem Stalker. So. Was that? I think she had a lot of trouble with Stefano too. Yeah, she did. But he was in everybody's face. Nobody yeah, liked. Him. Yeah, he was, he was a he was a he was a problem even back in the day. <laughs> yeah, probably still did is. They do that thing where they like. Said that everybody died, but they really like put him on an island that looked yes. different. Yes, that's the next entry in her character development. <laughs> is Meliswin Island, and oh, God. after dwindling ratings again, the show makes its craziest decision yet. Bum bum bum! <laughs> All the victims are brought back alive on the tropical island of Meliswin, New Salem, spelled backwards. The fire <laughs> I know. Are all returned to their original role. Then there was another twist. The killer was not Marlena. Mm. Stefano's nephew, Andre, posing as Tony DeMera, had kidnapped them and made Marlena think she was killing off her enti- all of her friends and her entire family. The story was in- The storyline was incredibly controversial. <laughs> So, I don't know go. how she gets up in the. I don't know how any soap opera character gets up in the morning with all the stuff they go through. You know, it's, it's, like, it's yeah, it's probably fun as an actor though. You're like, what kind of crazy thing am I doing today? Oh, I have amnesia. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Wait, that's like the boring side of it. Oh, the amnesia story again. Yeah, I know that's so old. <laughs> that's Where's the amnesia island? Is so out. Ever since that possession storyline, you know. With the contacts and the, like, deep voice that she had. It scared me so bad when I was a kid, but it was so ridiculously good. I am just so sad that I missed that. I'm sad you did, too, because John was, John, um, John, I forget, Black? John Black, I think his name is? Yeah. He was, like, a, he was a priest at that time, so then I there was know. all that, what like. What was up with that? Like, why was he a priest? Like, hadn't he had sex a bunch of times? I'm really confused. I'm not sure. It's like, I feel like I watched it and he wasn't a priest, then he was, and then he wasn't, obviously, because he was doing a whole bunch of stuff priests shouldn't do at one point. Okay, but he was doing stuff that priests shouldn't do, like, back when I was watching that show in, like, 1992. Yeah, yeah but I don't even remember how the as a priest thing came about, but for some reason he was, like, a Catholic priest for a while, and it was really <laughs> weird. It didn't make any sense whatsoever. <laughs> They just wanted him to put him in the outfit, probably. <laughs> so, to circle back to our discussion, do you think Marlena was probably experiencing a certain level of trauma from oh, the possession and thinking that her, <laughs> she had killed all of her family and friends? I'm was, surprised that was she that can just... story arc resolved in a satisfying <laughs> way, or do you feel like it needed more development? <laughs> You know, the soap opera's characters' capacities to shrug off every bad thing that happens to them amazes me. Uh, it really is, it because sick. those characters are on the show, like, forever, like, decades. and They are. Decades. 
actually really emotional heroes to us all. We could take a page out of their books. Nothing gets them down. Yeah, it just, yeah. It just rolls Not right even off of them. They're like ducks <laughs> in water. Yes. Yeah, uh, so I would say on soap operas, they don't deal with trauma in a realistic manner. Yeah, I think that we can all agree. Yeah. Which is shocking, I know, for a soap I opera. I think we can be the final word on that. It feels so... <laughs> these days who's doing a really bang up job with um tackling some of those topics aside from obviously the soap opera writers <laughs> well wait i'm looking at my bookshelf but <laughs> <laughs> well, you can totally talk about like tv writers too yeah, if you, you want have to just, yeah i should be able to talk about books shouldn't i i mean i shouldn't have to think about it this should just be my jam like i can't believe i just said that should just be my jam. It's not your yeah. fault. It's just like become like burned into the lexicon. It has. Well, Emily Hainsworth, who is my critique partner, she wrote um, Through to You, and it's yeah. about a boy whose um, girlfriend dies in a car accident, and then he finds a portal and he can go through it, and she's alive in this other world. And she got some flack because the boy in the book, Cam, he was grieving his girlfriend's death, and it was not making him the most pleasant fellow and and i think she got a lot of he's kind of an asshole yeah he was really upset and 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 there was like a lot of what you know i know his girlfriend's dead but it's like what do you mean but (laughs) that's where the sentence stops (laughs) 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 it's gonna be you know when you're going through some kind of profound emotional crisis and someone that you love is dead you might not be the most pleasant person to be around like it's just this weird obligation or people that feel that should have uh, what was that? That was a bunch of words that I didn't mean to string together. No, With, no. <laughs> So much easier to talk about television. But it's just the sense that readers are owed uh, just a nice experience with unpleasant things. I don't get, I mean, I don't know how every reader expects that, obviously. No, but that's and, an interesting example because I remember... And actually, I, I never shelved it right on my Goodreads because I just because I did end up. I started reading it, and I was so um, like, "Whoa, this character is in like I can't deal with where the place he's in right now." And it's I very intense. I set it aside, I think, for six or eight months before I went back and finished it because he was so like it was so there was so much in his. It was just, like, this intensity that was very hard to be, like, in his head. Um, and I, it was not what I needed to – because I also I – I, I try to respect my own boundaries. And if I'm like, this is oh, not yeah. what I need to read right now, <laughs> I will pick up – which is why I have a Sarah Reese Brennan books in my nightstand because I had to hide it because it was upsetting me. Because um, that's what she does. And I know, like, I doubt Sarah Reese Brennan listens to our podcast, but if she was, she'd be like, yes. <laughs> she's awesome. so much she had to hide the book <laughs> <laughs> she's awesome and I, I think she would delight in that a lot oh my goodness, she totally, <laughs> she totally would <laughs> I met her and I was like yeah like unspoken really stressed me out and she's like good <laughs> and she like flung her head back and laughed with like a glorious <laughs> laugh it's like, just oh. like how she is on Like, I, I love that. When I read, I just want to be miserable, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm always looking. I'm kind of, I got to kind of pace my misery. Because um, <laughs> I get, I get, it gets, I get overwhelmed. And um, it's, it, it was, yeah, that's an, he is in a very, like. He's in a dark place. Very, very dark place. But it was also, like, really gratifying when you got to the end of that book. I just, I really liked the, like, that's one of my favorite things about it is the intensity. But I was just always intrigued by, you know, the reader response. That, especially because culturally, we don't really deal with grief that well, like, mm-hmm. as a whole. No, no we do not. We do not want to no. see it. We don't want to look at it. We don't want right. to. Um, I think we're a little, like, um you get maybe like two days to deal with it and then you got to go back to work you know exactly. we're very obsessed with the idea of closure and like sort of symbolic right. closure and i think that's not really fair to us as humans yeah 
Um, and that, like, that reminds me of, uh, geez, I forgot what I was going to say when I was saying it. That's a record. (laughs) No, it goes back to what you said about, oh, gosh. Yeah, it's not, it's not, like, necessarily, it's not about, it's, sorry. (laughs) The response of, of readers is, like, a greater commentary on where we are as a society. Like, I think that's a good example of it, the way people responded to the grief and through to you. Yeah, it was, yeah. no, it was, that was, a, I, cause I'm looking actually, um, as a, there are a lot, and I think it's interesting also because Cam being a boy, also it's really interesting, like there seems to be almost a thread that, like he needed to toughen up. Yes. And that's, that's really interesting too, because that's gotta be a unique challenge, like challenge as like, cause there is a different set of expectations and I don't think they're better yeah. or worse. But for boys and how they um, they are supposed to respond, and especially him, I mean, because he was he's an interesting character in that he was such an athlete, and then yeah. he's not, and like that too. I mean, there's like he has all this loss going on in his life, right? And then and it's it's kind of interesting what she did there, and the way like the response is sort of reflected in. That's Fascinating. I just realized that. Very <laughs> clever, Emily. <laughs> Yay, Emily! <laughs> I can't believe I haven't read that book yet because there's know, like a parallel dimension I in was it, right? Say, that's definitely yep. would be a book I think you might really like, Laura, because it's got almost like that sliding doors sort of thing happening. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Um, and I know that's something you're a big fan of. Yes. Um, I mean, I know it's not body switching. No. <laughs> so I mean, that, body switching in parallel dimensions, though they're like both kind of my jam. So. Yeah. So <laughs> there really aren't enough body switching books, I don't think. No, um, I don't know what the deal with that is. Like, why I should really get on that a little more? Can you think of one? I can't think of um, one. Oh, well, there's that one that I reviewed a long time ago. The Don't You Wish by Roxanne St. Yeah. Clair. Yeah. And there's, I think, one coming out um, that's, oh, gosh, it's got a great cover, and that's all I can remember about it. Um, that Was it a blue cover? No. Um, no, it's like a city, and it's, like, really vibrant. Um, oh, 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 and uh, it's underneath a different city or something like that? Yes. Oh, Harper Collins, Claudia yeah. Gray. Yes, something. yes, it's that book. Um and which I'll come up with the title, the name for it in just a second. But that is not only like kind of body switching; it's also a multiverse. Oh wow! Fancy. So I mean, and I I have a thing for multiverses because of Fringe, stupid Fringe. <laughs> you want me to get upset about something, Courtney? Have you watched Fringe? My sister did. I didn't watch it, and she by the end of it, she got very frustrated. Yes, yes, that was that was the end. Of that, J.J. Abrams cannot end series, and, like, he should just not be allowed to have any <laughs> She say. says the same thing. No, he should not be allowed to have any say in the final season of any of his series. He did Lost, too, right? <laughs> he did Lost. He did Felicity. I was just going to say Felicity. Mm-hmm. He did, what's he, Alias, too? Alias. Oh, yeah. All, you know, what do all these shows have in common? <laughs> they they all down. ended really badly. Final seasons. <laughs> Well, I'm glad he's not running supernatural. You Thank should be God. grateful. I mean, he just cannot end a series. He's just like, oh, so what if, like, we throw in this thing that has never been in part of the show ever before and makes no sense whatsoever, and we totally change all the characters <laughs> so they do things that make no sense, given that they did all these other things that completely contradict it in the previous four seasons. What if we did that and wreck the show? Yes! Tell me how you <laughs> really feel. <laughs> I was being pretty restrained. I wasn't swearing <laughs> or anything. Um, we heard the swears in between all the words. Yeah. The yeah. book that I was referring to is A Thousand Pieces of You. I pulled it up. That's such a nice cover. Isn't that an awesome? That cover is amazing. Beautiful. It's it's so bright and, like, weird. And, yeah, it's just pretty. And it, like, makes it work. like, what's going on here? Why does it kind of look like Russia? And why does it kind of look like New York? <laughs> like, what's happening? And there's physicists involved? And it just, yeah, it really piqued my interest based on just the cover. Um, But then I was like, multiverses, ooh. 
I'm there. Yeah. Only Josh yeah, Jackson's feel- beard was as good as this cover. I know. <laughs> <laughs> then it would be a masterpiece. Yeah, no, it really, that, <laughs> it would. Gosh, <laughs> we're terrible. Another, you know, um, who I think does um, a really, and we've had her on the podcast, a really good, actually a couple of people we've had on the podcast actually do a really good job, but I was thinking of Elizabeth Scott. Mm -hmm. She's so awesome. She's so awesome. And it was, I just so enjoyed being able to talk to her too. Well, there's another character that's a good example, Heartbeat. Yeah, and also the previous book, um, the character in Miracle as well, um, which no one has read and that makes me incredibly sad. Mm -hmm. Um. But both of them, um, gosh, like those they, characters get, Megan and Emma both, is her name Emma? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, both get such a hard time. And, man, I love what she did with those characters in terms of, like, in Miracle, um, Megan, like, everyone kind of treats her like, well, you should just be so happy to be alive when everyone else died because she survives right. this horrible plane crash. And, but really she feels like she shouldn't even be there and she's got survivor guilt and PTSD and, you know, man, like she's just, not, things are not going well for her and people around her cannot conceptualize why she is in a, such a bad place. Yeah, and it's I, like, it's, I think sorry, it's a very accurate portrayal of the way an experience a lot of people have who go through something traumatic, um, when people just can't conceive, like, well, you're fine. You should be, you know. Yeah. So why aren't you okay? Like, what's wrong with you? And I thought she did such a brilliant job in that book with exploring that. And this is a short book. That book's like 200 pages. And it just, like, hits you, like, in the gut with that. She's so good with words. I just, she is such a staple, I think, of why literature. She really is. And, you know, yeah. she's so prolific. But I, I don't think she gets a lot of the attention that, other folks do, and it makes me sad because I really think she's just con- so consistent. And Everyone she, should be reading her. She, yeah. If they're not, people who they should be. Yeah, people who are who like YA and like contemporary literature should be checking out her books because she also she yeah. doesn't write these long books. She writes these short books and just packs like these very emotionally resonant things into these books. And I'm just yeah. like, how did she do that? Like, <laughs> nothing happens really. Yeah, and her I books are like, so short. I How does like she, I like, do it in such a short amount of time? she's damn good. <laughs> she is, she's so good at what she does, and I feel like it's, like, I've been through this experience of re- when I read her books because she writes these very, like, internal stories. She and pinpoints, like, a lot of emotional truth. She does. She's she, really good at that. She really yeah. does. It's, like, she's just, even things where, like, I haven't experienced these specific situations, and I'm, like, but, man, I felt that way. And, like, yeah. You know, and just little things, like what she does with parent relationships, like she in, um, oh gosh, Perfectly You, the relationship with her father is just, it's so hard, and it's so well done, and like, Perfect You, that's what it's called, not Perfectly You. Right. The one in the mall kiosk. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, and there's like, the thing with that book is there's like these funny scenes, too, because like, working in a mall kiosk is kind of funny. (laughs) But, like, the thing she does with that book and her the relationship she has with her father and, like, how painful that is, is just just so well done and just so real. So I just was – I'm just always impressed with her work. Yeah. Oh, I, I, and I really, like, love you, hate you, miss you a lot. I listened to that one on audio, and I thought that one was really well done also where I think the main character is dealing with, like, her best friend uh, has died in a car crash, and then she also suffers from, like, alcohol abuse and stuff like that. Right. And she really deals with these, I think, in a way that people who have gone through that can really relate to it. Mm-hmm. And so I think that books like, you know, that are really important, ones that portray these issues in realistic ways are important because, like, there's people out there who need these books, too. It's not just yeah. about, like, the people who haven't gone through it. <laughs> Yeah, she, and I, she doesn't, I feel like she always makes me really feel more empathetic. And mm-hmm, it, yeah. There's something yeah. that she does. I just think she is so skilled at she, what she She does. really, de- she debuted strong. Like, she's, she just, like, hit the ground running with Bloom. It was, yeah. like, the voice of that. I just remember going, wow. It was yeah, just no, so. Bloom is fantastic. I mean, and, I mean, that book came out quite a 
was that 2007? That was a I think it was 2007. That was seven I, yeah. years ago. And that book, Jeez. I mean, for seven years ago, I mean, that book was like edgy and it still kind of is, you know, it's, yes. it's really interesting what she's, she's done just throughout her, her career. She's just so strong. She is. She's a real talent. She really is. <laughs> she is. Um, but like the, with the heartbeat and just the, it kind of goes into the larger question of likability though, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Because yeah, there's that yeah. expectation that you should have your stuff together. And especially if you're a girl, you know, then it gets even more dicey in terms of response. Yeah. And it's yeah. such a, a, a hard, it's such a hard thing. I always, I find that the likability discussion really complicated. It is because sometimes uh, the writing is weak. Sometimes it is the book, you know. Yeah. And I think yeah. it's also complicated because sometimes like, like actually, I can use Sarah Reese Brennan as an example. I really love her character Cammy in Unspoken. Like I find Cammy right. very likable. I mean, she's kind of a brat, but like, like I just really like sort of in an aspirational. I'm like, oh, I wish I would like Cammy. She's so sassy and you know, and like, uh huh, and like. So I always feel like there's almost when we talk about likability, it's like a sort of. We we can't talk about the merits of unlikable characters without talk like sort of talking about the lack of merit of likable characters. And I think there's a lot. I of know what you mean. It's, it's yeah. sticky. It's hard. And I don't. I it's it's like that conversation. It's just I feel like it's not quite. Not, it's just as hard to write like a genuinely likable character. Yeah, who doesn't seem yeah. sort of like like too precious and too perfect. Right. Yeah. And like when I do come across one who's like. I want to hang out with her. It's <laughs> and, nice. It's a nice feeling. Yeah. And I, it's, and it's, I'm always so impressed, like, that someone's able to do that without the person seeing, like, you want to punch her in the face. You know? Because, <laughs> like, someone who's too perfect is so frustrating. <laughs> yeah. It, it is really hard because it's not like, it's, it's like when I talk about how hard it is to write and, un, well, not even in, it's not like I set out to write unlikable characters. I'm just writing the characters as I see them and like a challenging, more difficult character. Yeah, a more yeah, a challenging character, but that doesn't mean a, a likable protagonist isn't challenging or complicated. It's just right. it's like two different conversations but they have a weird overlap that that's it, yeah, it's yeah. like sort of not productive in a sense because it's I don't know, it's a weird conversation and that's why I kind of have I I keep sort of chewing on it and not saying, like, what I think about it because I haven't come up with the right way to talk about it, and it's frustrating to me. Right, it is hard. Like, it's like when I have that conversation, I always want to use my own books as a point of reference so I can keep it as insular as possible. Yeah, and it's like I always (laughs) – I can relate this to Friday Night Lights. (laughs) (laughs) I'd be disappointed if you could. You know – Julie, poor Julie is often given, is often called unlikable. Right. Because she, she makes sort of normal mistakes. Um, you know, and on, and it's, and it's so interesting because like, while she may not necessarily be the most likable, because I don't think necessarily that most like 15, 16 year old girls are like sort of the most naturally likable people. Cause like, it sucks to be 15 or 16 year old. 16 right. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard. And like, you're kind of like trying to figure yourself out and you're kind of, you know, insular in terms of like what you're thinking about you're thinking about you and that's a normal sort of part of it's very different being that person and being 15 or 16 and if you're that person and you're 45 like (laughs) (laughs) you're 45 and you're that person we're tired of you yeah it's like okay it's been a while let's move on um but but she you know poor julie gets so much flack for for not being likable and i always and it it always really frosts me because she She's normal, and I don't necessarily yeah. to, like spend all my time around sort of aspirationally perfect right. people. Like I can also relate a lot of stuff to Dawson's Creek. It's like when I like <laughs> I like Joey Potter the most when she was screwing up. You know, when she I was, loved her in season one, and then after that, I just couldn't do it. Yeah, she just like it's just I it got it would get really hard when she was just so saintly. Yes, she was saying Joey Potter. They it got so annoying after a while because it felt like they were making everyone around her worse just so she could keep looking better. So she could keep looking. I mean, it's just it's. I love Jen. Jen was my favorite. Yeah, and that's another great like that's a great (laughs) example. I mean, like it's 
Jen, Jen's okay. Well, you and I were just talking about this. Like, what they did to Jen in that series is extremely upsetting. When she, like, oh, spoilers no, for people. No, you can spoil Okay. Great. If the show's been over that long, you can spoil it. When she died, I was just like, I all I did was email my friends. And be like, she had a baby. I just, I felt it was so needless to give her this kid, this life she wanted, and then just to kill her you like that. Take it away. Right, and I know that happens in life, but it just seems so gratuitous here. It was cool. Yeah, it was just so, and then Joey's just, and and then everyone was making it about Joey and Pacey and Dawson. It's like, Jen's on her deathbed. She doesn't care about your love life, you jerks. Like, (laughs) yeah. But that's all she did care about. It's like, oh, I guess, Jack, you can have my kid, but do you think Joey's going to go with Pacey? Who do you think Joey's going to choose? This is the really important thing, so. I mean, <laughs> now I'm getting mad again. <laughs> I know. So. No, it was really, that show, I have such a weird relationship with that show. <laughs> like, it's it's complicated, me and Dawson's Creek. Cause it, Toward the end? Just, yeah. I mean, and, and I actually like the college years. Which I think That's where I just started tuning in every other, like, once in a while. Because I it's because I like Busy Phillips, and she was in the college years. She's, she's like, I always think she's so cute, like, because she's so energetic and just, like, she's she's so cool. She's so cooler than me. (laughs) They're best friends in real life, aren't they? Like, Michelle Williams and, and, um. Phillips, yes, they're like. Yeah, I love that, because it seems like, yeah, I just imagine this whole dynamic where Jen is really quiet and busy is, like, just out there for both of them, and then I'm like, oh, that's really sweet, even though I have no clue if that's really how it is. No, I have no idea either. But I think that might kind of be, because Busy Phillips seems really like a big personality, and Michelle Williams yeah. seems more like... Tempered. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. she's like kind of, you know, reserved or something. Yeah. She's got that aura of, like, tragedy around her. That's how the press paints her a lot of the time. it could totally, like, be just we're feeding all the... We're yeah. feeding all of what this press is feeding us, <laughs> and it's just really terrible. Thanks for listening to the Clear Eyes Full Shelves podcast. Be sure to check out our book reviews, recommendations, opinion, and all-around nerdy badassery at cleareyesfullshelves.com or on Twitter at Full Shelves. And make sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes. Until next time, Clear Eyes Full Shelves can't lose.